You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 Triple R. The Breaker Operas is a comedy which gleefully straddles the line between dark and whimsical. It's about two friends who run an agency that takes care of the messy business of relationship ending on behalf of their clients. And we are absolutely delighted to have the dual triple threats, the writers, directors and stars of the film, Jackie Van Bleek and Madeline Samu. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Did you just call me Jackie Van Bleek? I yeah. love that. It's, oh my it's god! It's Van Beek, but I love it's quite yeah. it's quite an early morning call, and I <laughs> yes. love Van Bleek because you know it's <laughs> early. I think that that could be like if you ever went goth, that could oh, be your oh goth name. Yes. I want to be, and I was Jackie Van Sammy. Bleak. I was I was introduced onto the stage as Sammy the other day, so I'm going to be I want to be Sammy Van Bleek. Oh right, so yeah. people just horny. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you guys continue to write and direct together, you could direct under the name Sammy Van Bleek. We actually <laughs> have a credit on our film. Uh, that is Mackie Van Sami, which is a, our sort of celebrity celebrity mashup name. We I think. couldn't decide who whose name would go first, so we're like, let's just mash them up. Like, <laughs> our producer it. said you've got about fifteen minutes to decide. Our to producer was us. like, you are idiots. <laughs> um, and yeah, well, somehow we got it through. So and it always amuses us now when we yeah. see a screening of the film just to see Mackie Van Sami at the top. <laughs> a Mackie Van Sami film, like we got away with that. Well, this is something that I, I was thinking about watching it. Obviously, <laughs> a writing. But particularly directing on set is a very, very stressful thing where you've got to have a very strong vision in terms of pushing things forward. Um, can you give us any gossip? Was there any kind of like bust-ups on set over anything? Or did you manage to kind of... How did you guys divide up the directing kind of responsibilities? Yeah, we, I wouldn't describe it as stressful. I, I, not our experience, anyway. It was more like a chaotic circus. Okay. And, and we really kind of... We knew it was going to be chaotic. We had 22 shoot days, and we had a lot of locations and a lot of cast. And so we really just decided to embrace the chaotic nature. And right. everyone we got on board, we said, this will be kind of hellish, but let's try <laughs> and enjoy it. Sure. And then, um, and yeah, kind of just sharing the... The, the directing role happened pretty organically. Yeah, I mean, it would be more like, you know, if, if if I was doing more acting in a scene, then I would be with the actors uh, giving direction in the makeup room while I was getting my makeup, and Jackie right. would be with, more with camera and vice versa. So if Jackie was in the scene, mm. and it's sort of that's how we kind of worked it out, really, wouldn't it? And we just try and kind of catch each other halfway to be like, we're going to shoot it in this frame, we're going to do that, we're going to set it up on this, we're going to get two cameras. Yep, yep, good, good. Is that what we talked about? Yeah, <laughs> that's what we talked about. Did we, did we talk about we just shoot it. So uh, th- there wasn't time to be um, no. to be too precious about this. No. <laughs> no, we shot the film in like 22 days, so we just we we were all too aware the whole time that any any like ego ego kind of discussions, or, or like you know? huge discussions about things, even if we felt really strongly about them, weren't gonna we're cutting into time, you know, shooting time. So we would just try to come to a solution pretty quickly. You've both previously um, have done work acting in in dramas. So why your first feature film uh, a comedy? Is it natural? Like I know that Jackie, you've been involved in in Funny Girls. Uh, it's a brilliant sketch comedy show from New Zealand and it seems like there's really great comedy stuff coming out of New Zealand um, and is that why you, you went to comedy? I'll tell you what not many people know this but I've made seven short films over the last ten years and I've made a feature before this and they were all drama and I have just leapt about all my background, like all my theatre background in life. All your acting has been comedy, mainly. Yeah, I've yeah. Like done a little bit of drama acting because I'm yeah. not great at drama acting. I've done oh. a bit of drama <laughs> acting, but I've done a lot of comedy as well. I did two series of a TV show um, in New Zealand that I wrote and starred in, um, which is a full-on comedy, and then directed season two of Funny Girls as well. So a lot of comedy before this comedy. Um, but, I mean, we both love drama, we both love comedy, but um, 
I don't know, comedy's fun, you know, and yeah. and New Zealand is, is in an exciting time with comedy at the moment. So in the two of us, a right. couple of clowns, you know what I mean? Yeah. A <laughs> couple of clowns, a couple of idiots have been friends for a long time who thought, we should just make a movie now. I Great know, concept. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we could do a drama together. Like whenever, yeah, like whenever we're around each other, we. I think I could. I think you'd just you could lose do a drama it. around. The- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would consider it a comedy. You would consider it a drama, and then I'd, I'd just probably come kill off you. A drama. I've just gone. You know, we play um, a lot of cops in our movie. We impersonate cops in our film quite a bit, and then I've just gone on. To, I've just finished a job where I have to play a very serious detective in a drama, <laughs> and uh, it was. It was really nice, actually. Mm. It was nice. But it's like sometimes you're just like, some days you get to the end of the day and you're like, ah, that was a bit like intense. It was a bit of an intense day, whereas a comedy you always just feel kind of light and fluffy at the end of the day. There's so much giggling. You know, we yeah. had a lot of laughing on set, a lot, yeah. which was really nice. Yeah, it seems like um, you there would have been a bit of improvising happening on that. Like, because I know people like Guy Montgomery and Rose Matafeo, uh, you know, and also um, Angela Dravid, Dravid, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, like, they're such brilliant talent. And it just seems like, you know, you've got all these great talents kind of popping up all over the shop uh, in the film. Like, is, was it just a chance for you guys to go, just see where this goes? Was there a bit of that or...? Yeah, we, 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 I mean, we deliberately wanted to cast all of our very talented friends and obviously mm. it's a very small community of, of comedians and, and writers in New Zealand and so it was, you know, we, 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 we really wanted to get all of these, you know, young, amazing um, comedians in our film as well and great improvisers because we knew that we were giving them small parts but, you know, we wanted them to make something out of it. Although um, we still only let Guy Montgomery say, say one line. <laughs> the the but you know what? He gets a laugh every time in every screening and so I think he's pretty stoked he with that one us. line. Yeah. And he really, like, you know, he really, really put a lot of emphasis on that for us. I thought he did it great. beautifully, yeah. He had a few more lines, but we, we, we only we cut them and he only had... And Angela Dravid actually was just, I mean, every I could just keep rolling on a take for, for her forever because there's always something unpredictable happening. Yes. She, in fact, I, my closest, like, nearly wet my pants moment was just <laughs> in a scene, a small scene with Jackie and Angela where Angela was um, trying to pretend to do a job where, where, where um, Jackie's character is trying to train her and she's just sitting there and we had her in this crazy nurse's outfit which was way too tight and she at one point split her pants uh, and I'm, and it, which is just a classic comedy thing I, I to this day don't know if it was for real or not and then she sort of said I pissed my pants and I still don't know if that was a legitimate thing I'm not yeah she might have just weed a little bit but she just kept going with this kind of scene and yeah, she's just a, a, a really charismatic, amazing performer. Yeah, to watch. That, that is commitment to a bit, I would yeah. say. She, she, if there's anyone that's going to commit to a bit, it's Angela Dravid. She is just one of the I most... I would say Angela Dravid, dangerously committed. <laughs> and, that's, that, that's that's, what, and that's a Van Bleek that's what, she'll, that, that's, what her, that's what Angela Dravid's next show will be about. It'll be, it'll be called Dangerously Committed, and she'll have just gone to a mental institution and gone, hey, test if I'm mental, and they'll go, yes, you are. And it's about her six months in a mental institution trying to... To prove her way, way sane. You know she's been in jail. Yeah, no. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. The next it's one will be that. Oh, right. story, yeah. oh, that's what you're just saying. Yeah. yeah. I actually, uh, my crazy cousin Carl actually did that. Went to a mental institution. He was like, "Hey, I just want to prove that I'm sane." They were like, "Ooh, we're not sure." Wow. How long was he there for? Uh, a few months. Gosh, jeez. I got out crazy after cousin a week. Carl. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Jackie, you were just saying before that it's a really exciting time in New Zealand comedy. So that's how it feels for Australia. We're looking at all this amazing stuff coming out of NZ. 
is it a case of us just now paying attention or has something changed in New Zealand? I, I f- it feels to us like like things are changing, like over the last 10 years that we've kind of been able to embrace our kind of awkward, reserved, totally. back foot nature. And, and people like, you know, of course, Brett and Jermaine with Flight of the Concords and Tyker have helped kind of start to celebrate that. And so now we're able to kind of go, yeah, we are kind of weird and nobody really knows about us, but we can celebrate <laughs> that and put it on the big screen. And, and we... Our, our world premiere for this film was over in South by Southwest in Austin. And after the screenings, you know, people would, would say, that's New Zealand humour. Like, they were recognising mm. it. Mainly, uh-huh. probably, you know, Taika brought it into the mainstream with Thor, of course. They were like, we recognise that. That's New Zealand humour. It's like, not, yeah, it's not like we have to explain our accents anymore. People actually <laughs> can understand us, you know. Yeah. And I think it's just also time and, like, yeah, the world is kind of like open to us now yeah. and Lord. communication and Lord, Lord yeah. <laughs> well, you know and it's yeah stuff like that it's like yeah. literally like hearing an accent so much you know like we, when you're you know you guys will know this like growing up in in Australia you know we all learned how to do an American accent growing up because all of our television mm. mo- most most of our television in New Zealand was either British or American so we're all excellent at understanding a, a myriad of American accents. You know, I could pick where accents come from in America mm. just from having grown up watching American television, whereas they had nothing from us. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's take, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing of just kind of settling into the accent and understanding the culture. And, and now, yeah, it feels like we're at a point where there's actually an appetite for there New is. Zealand comedy, which we just call comedy in New Zealand. We, we just call it comedy. <laughs> our comedy. But we also, like, you know, a lot of our... You know, we grew up watching, you know, The Castle and Muriel's Wedding and The Comedy, the comedy Company. Company. So we looked to Australia Col- so Colly much. Mole impressions was like my first thing that I used do to one, do. Do one, do one. She goes, she goes, she just goes. <laughs> that's it. That's all I've got. That's and all that's I Australian But I used to do a bit. I honestly used to do a bit. And I remember I did it one year in New Plymouth, which is like in the middle of the country. We had a family Christmas and some nuns came over. <laughs> they, the local nuns, because I'm an Irish Catholic, Irish Catholic family, so the nice. local nuns came over and I did a little stand-up show for the nuns. <laughs> they thought it was hilarious. That was the start of my career. Oh, and my it was all because all of the comedy company. I was obsessed with the comedy company. Speaking of family, your parents came to see the movie last oh, night, they, didn't they? They came to the Nova screening. It was the first time they'd seen it, yeah. And how did they react? Well, we would, we'd nearly got through the Q&A without, without me having to kind of ask them what they felt. And then the last question in the Q&A, the person said, I want to know what Jackie's parents thought of oh. the film. And so they were handed the microphones and... And mum described it as fun. And my father, who's, who, who doesn't love a microphone in a public space, right. he described it as worthwhile, <laughs> which I thought was so sweet. Um, yeah, um, I, I loved how you made them do one-word um, reviews because yeah. it was kind of like you could see them like kind of building up to like maybe saying quite a few sentences. Well, mum would have not stopped yeah. <laughs> and, and dad would have said nothing. So I needed to like yeah, give them a word, word count. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Uh, a lot of the cast of, of the film and also yourselves and all the people that worked in the film uh, were female. How important was it to have like a really solid um, women in, in the film? Super important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this was a film that, you know, we, we wanted to make a film about female friendship and um, we... We sort of it, it kind of happened organically as well. We ended up having a majority female crew, mm. um, and it was sort of led uh, in part by us and also our producers Ainsley uh, Gardner, who produced Boy, and her producing partner um, Georgina Conda, and they were both uh, 
job sharing producers, job sharing mums. So they would do half a week week each and then spend half a week with their families and being being mums. And so that kind of trickled down into um, and we allowed for like our head of uh, a costume to to do the same. So we had uh, we were job sharing a lot and then head of makeup and so we just had this kind of really amazing. Uh, group of like women who are all very great at their jobs but also we were we allowed for people to have their lives a little bit as well and it was a bit of a I don't know if it's been done that it's much like revolutionary yeah. yeah it was really beautiful because I hate I hate the idea that women have to choose between uh, working in feature films which is so intense or having a family and mm. you know I have three kids Madeline has a baby like it's all just you know muck in it's one of those mm. things that really puts women off and you know as a reason uh, you know as a reason why there aren't as many women in some of those you know positions especially in crew um, and so it was nice to be able to kind of go through that and it didn't change our it didn't cost more money it no. just was a bit you know more organization but actually it's possible and it was really heartening you know at the end to kind of go it was a really nice feeling as well because you get less stress you know that that added stress of like someone who's just not being able to be there at home or you know it's just kind of a nice feeling as well so mm. we're pretty oh, proud of that bad. and yeah yeah well my housemate oh not anymore but i used to live with celia uh Piccola. celia Piccola. i was yeah. wondering when we we're going to mention her yeah. name yeah uh oh she sends her love by the way oh. um but she said it was one of the main reasons why she signed on to this was because it's just these two kick-ass women in new zealand are making this film and and then she just loved the idea of it um but, oh, man, I was surprised at how much ugly crying that woman had to do in that <laughs> yeah. film. And she is a very nice-looking woman, and we had to... We we literally had to kind of send her back to the makeup room a couple of times, just be like, look, just put more more red around the nose, <laughs> yeah. um, just more more tears. Like, come on, she's got to make her look a little more miserable. Please. She was a really good sport about that. She, yeah, re- and she, she really committed to it. Like, she's yeah. a pretty good dramatic actor, right? Yeah. As well as yeah. a yeah. comic actor. She yeah. would well, go she would go off into a room and just kind of get herself into the into the misery. And I'd come <laughs> in and she'd be just like, and I'm like, okay, Celia's doing doing a, doing a misery thing. And it was um it was so great. She committed so much to the role and. I actually went out with her when I took her out to do some comedy one night and she got a bit zhuzhed up and got, had some makeup and I was like, oh, there she is. <laughs> there's Celia. Not this miserable woman we've been turning her into every day. And I felt so bad. I had to get her quite drunk and um, show her some good Kiwi comedy. So, yeah. She had a nice uh, night that night. The howls of anguish actually opened the film, didn't they? <laughs> It's it's, yeah. it's her sort of it's bawling. Her, that, yeah. It's the first thing you hear in the film. It's her whimpering and, and crying. <laughs> yeah. and, she, and she did some, um, I mean, a lot of a lot of people did, but she did some great improv, you know, and that's one of the reasons we were so excited about her. We'd watched Rose Haven and then started watching her blooper reels and basically stalked her on the internet <laughs> and could yeah. see how playful she is. And, yeah. You know, and we just knew from all that stuff that she would fit into what we were doing so well, and she did. We were very lucky. Yeah. Perfect. All right, The Breaker Upper is, is opening on July 26th, I believe, in wider cinemas in Australia. Correct. Yep. And uh, we, well, we could have been talking all morning, but we've got to wrap it up there. Jackie Van Beek and <laughs> Madeline Sammy, thank you guys so much for coming in this morning. It was great Thanks, talking guys. to you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Uh, you should your breakfasters with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. It's Wednesday morning. What time of the week yeah. does that mean? The it worst time of the week. It's Best Wednesday. Uh, I've got no idea what's happening. Oh, really? You don't yeah. know what the dares are? I don't know what the dare is. Well, uh, as per normal, we left it to the last minute. Well, yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh, I did. <laughs> 
Yeah, easy. I actually remembered it yesterday morning yeah. and then forgot it again. And then yes, Jeff texted so. me. I mean, then, sorry, Jeff texted me. Mm. Um, I was so angry that it was my go. So I wanted to think of... And last week I thought of all these cool things I could do and then forgot to tell you that you oh. should dare me to do them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, this was all a bit last minute. Yeah, next, next, I've got the dare next week, so maybe dare me to eat a tub of ice cream. Oh, yes, I will. Oh. You know you get these new tubs of ice cream where they just have the on... There's some kind of weird dyed ice cream. Gross. Oh, I've seen that. But on the front yeah. they just say, Nine like, calories. whole... Whole tub, nine calories or something. Oh, really? It's like 90 calories. Oh, 90 calories, sorry, yeah. But this makes you want <laughs> just it. Inviting you. Isn't inviting you to pick up a tub? And, I know, every yeah. time I walk past, I think if, when next time I feel sad, I'm just going to get one of these 90 calories. There's a lot of ice your face in, in that ice cream. Is there? Yeah. Have you tried it? Yeah. No, it's good. It's oh, worth it. Okay. Right, Not a whole well, tub, though. Yeah. Like, I ate my housemates. <laughs> Anyway, I think we're um, getting away from the subject Jeff, on hand. all right. It's all right to get away from the subject on hand, particularly when there's not much to talk about. It's called filling filling out uh, filling out time because you didn't want to do your stupid dare. <laughs> okay? Uh, look, let me Shall look Shall I the go text. through the... Oh, yeah, for sure. You go through the text that you sent me. Yeah, go. so yes. I remembered that we hadn't worked this out yep. oh, about as soon as I got home, actually. I thought it on the way home and I thought, oh, I wonder if the others have... Remembered anything, but no. then realised that you probably hadn't. No. So I texted you both, and then Geraldine texted back and said, "You've got to think of something and tell Sarah." And I actually had quite a lot on, so I just texted the first things that came. You to didn't. Me. You texted me a friggin' essay. <laughs> yeah, well, you I your to, options. To give you oh. options. Yeah, okay. well, so, which I appreciate. It. Yes, okay. very, it's very detailed. Um, and so the options were this. Actually, just also, I'm finding that that when we text each other like this, they're always just slightly different versions of things that we've previously asked well, each other to true. do. Yeah. Well, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I th- I'd like to think I'm pretty original. You are pretty original, all Thank right. Thank you. Well. Um, so it's just Jeff. Maybe it's also... <laughs> the, uh, also, I feel like maybe Jeff and I feel sorry for each other because we know, both know how draining it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why, Rez. You seem slightly less drained by this. Yeah, because you can just make it up. No, <laughs> I just make it up. <laughs> all right, so I said, okay... Apparently, I have to set you your Wednesday. So Wednesday. So three options. Number one, write some lyrics for the Breakfasters theme. Oh, yeah, you've s- tried to do that so well, many a, times. But it's a good idea. We've got an instrumental theme song. It needs to have some lyrics. Oh, I didn't know it had to be to the theme song. But oh, anyway, carry right. on. Yeah, so I didn't realise that. Um, <laughs> I feel I've got a very <laughs> critical audience here for these. No, carry on. Convince your podcast co-host that you need to do an episode about updating the rules, and you want to propose that the AFL adopts a round ball, like Gaelic footy. Mm, okay. Could work. Yeah. Or flash a gang sign at the end of every conversation today. Mildly could be mildly get me in a bit of trouble, couldn't mm. it? Which is gang really, sign. as you say, yeah. just a variant of the other the one that we did last week. Which was, yibbity yibbity, that's all, folks? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that was terrible. That's the worst one ever. So I went down and really messed up Rick's hunt hole on the internet, which I shouldn't have done <laughs> after that. So, Jeff, all good, no, to I be fair. I think that was a shallow hole, though. Oh, yeah. It, you don't want to go too. Ended with a One's thump. enough. Yeah, one, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, Jeff, they were all, I appreciate them, though, because they were all things that were doable Yes. For well, the most I was part. conscious it was very late notice. So. Yes. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I like when you take those things into consideration. So I did try and – so I've got this footy podcast um, called Fangirls, and I it's only fairly new, and so I thought it wouldn't be too weird for me to message them, message my pod mates and mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm thinking this. But then I got halfway through typing a message and I thought, 
they're just going to say, what? Yeah. And then I'll go, oh, this is a joke. Ah. And then they're going to go, oh, okay. Yeah. Good show you do there. Remind me not to listen at 6.15. So I stopped doing that. I decided not to do that. Uh, and then I thought maybe I'd do the gang signs thing because I thought I could do like a west west side or east side, you know, like west side, east side kind yeah. of thing. When, your, do you have a sign for Coburg? Oh, no, I should do one. Yeah. I don't know. But it kind of sees its own naff to do, aren't they? Or the Berg. What's it? Berg. Like, uh, do you know? Oh, here we go. You just, like, two hands up like you're eating like a, a burger. burger. Like a Hungry Jacks. Yeah, we're the Berg. Oh, my God, I'm going to start doing that. That is so good. <laughs> I'm actually going to start doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll take off. Let's see if, if people, anyone welcomes you to the neighbourhood. Berg. <laughs> Well, I thought I'd give it a go and I took Ralph for a walk and I went past the coffee store, the shop, the new coffee shop, which is already, already they already think I'm a bit weird. Yeah, uh, you don't pay for your coffee. I said, yeah, couldn't have paid for my coffee. And then I said, offered my number to one of the guys because I thought he needed it before I brought my wallet back and I think he thinks I was just trying to pick him up. And yeah. now I kept trying to slip my boyfriend into conversation really unnaturally so he doesn't think I was trying to pick him up. But anyway. God knows what he thinks now. I know. And then I got down there and luckily it wasn't him who was working. It was someone else. just makes you look like you can't handle rejection. So you and Oh, no, now I've invented a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and I'm always there. I look like a very sad, lonely lady when I'm walking around the streets at a strange time. I always think, what do people think you... What do they think I do? Yeah, but you've got Ralph now. Yeah, it's just me and Ralph. <laughs> just pacing the empty oh, hours of the Berg. <laughs> and I went down to get a co- got a coffee and I thought this is the perfect time to do a... Because I'm not going to see that many people yesterday and I thought, oh, this is the perfect, perfect time to do a gang sign. But then I kind of chickened out and I thought... So I kind of did it below below the counter. So she gave me the she gave me the coffee and I went, thanks. And I did like a West Side. <laughs> Represent. Yeah, but then I thought that doesn't count. So then it was like 9.30 last night and I hadn't really done any more gang signs or done anything and I thought I've got to write a bloody song. And then, wow. I, oh, then I was like, does he mean to our theme song? Because it's impossible to write. That, like that's a good theme song and to be ruined by saying things over the top of it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really suggesting you were going to sing it or anything. Oh, weren't you? No. Well, not unless you want to, well, by think, all means. I think these days need to be more specific. <laughs> yeah. But I decided instead of doing one to that, that I could do one to a different theme song. Ah. And I'll tell you which theme song I chose. What do you think? Golden Girls. This is what, so this is our theme song. Now, this the problem is that this Richmond Tigers theme song only has kind of two verses and then it repeats itself over and over again. The dream to rewrite. Yeah, okay, the dream to rewrite. So I've just... Uh, I got stuck at two verses, so it's not a sure. very long song. That's all right. Okay? Sure. All right, and I'm going to do it like I'm at the footy, but I, I wanted to play that underneath, but it's going to be distracting because I couldn't yeah, find the just instrumental. instrumental. Yeah, maybe I'll see if I can find that Richmond Tigers instrumental. Is this really annoying that I'm doing this no, no, as no. I'm talking? No, 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 this and dedication. Instrumental YouTube. Do you reckon this exists? And um, I'm sure it exists. Are the lyrics, oh, we're the breakfasters. Uh, we get yes. up every morning, we're the breakfasters. 
I'll wait for you to do no, it. Just wait. <laughs> nah. I can't find one without uh, the just lyrics. Do, just do All it. Right. Okay. Oh, I can't find the instrumental. Dun, 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 dun. Are we a breakfasters? A moody tree, are we a breakfasters? In any weather you will see Jeff with a gin peddling through the wind. He'll ride and ride and ride until he barely makes it in. Are we a breakfasters? Jez really loves to take your competition calls. Just make sure you speak up on the phone. Don't mind alone or she will crack the crack the shits or she will crack the shits oh my oh, that is, that is cool? awesome yes. oh, no look i i think that that's is... one of the best efforts yet thanks guys well no, done. I, I want that as a new theme <laughs> you are listening to a podcast from australia's best known community radio station three triple r 102.7 in melbourne into Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. Rettenlink's Tour of Mythicality is the title of a show that's on at the Palais this Friday to tell us all about it. We're joined in the studio by Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal, better known as Rhett and Link. Welcome to Breakfasters, both of you. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming all the way. Your show, Good Mythical Morning, is one of the most watched daily shows online. I think a lot of our listeners are going to know an awful lot about both of you, but I suspect some aren't going to know very much at all. So how would you explain Good Mythical Morning to those who have never seen it? <laughs> this this is tricky. <laughs> uh, two middle-aged men who have resisted growing up and... Um, <laughs> Also resisted throwing up uh, because uh, most, not most, but a lot of our show is us trying to get uh, various uh, animal body parts down our gullets. I mean, that's not, that's not all of our show. We also, I mean, we talk to each other. We've been best friends since first grade. So we're talking like 35 years of friendship. So we also like to talk to each other and not just make each other gag. Yeah. Well, it started as talking to each other. And then when we realized if we tried to eat like goat testicles on the internet, that a lot more people would watch. Uh, so we started eating more and more testicles. I'm so happy we got you to describe the show. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to have a bowl of goat testicles. <laughs> as you said, you've been friends for a long time. When did you start making videos together? And when did you realize that um, this might actually be something more than just a, a gag? It might actually be a way to make a living. Mm-hmm. We were those guys who, whenever the teacher, even in middle school, would give us an assignment, we would turn it into uh, like a video project. Mm-hmm. Can I make it a video? And then it actually didn't have to be great because uh, we get an A just for the additional effort of trying to be filmmakers. So that's how we got started. Yeah, and we, st- we started making... Um you know, musical comedy videos and uh, sketch comedy videos, uploading them to our website, retinlink.com, which back in <laughs> 2001, 2002, three, uh, we were like, this is, this is it. You have your own website, you have your own server. But then 2005, YouTube comes around and people are like, why don't you guys start a YouTube channel? Like, you don't need a YouTube channel when you have your own website. <laughs> Every time people watched videos on our website, we had to pay for it. We had what, to pay you for had the, to pay? Yeah, we had to pay for the bandwidth. Yeah, because we were paying I mean, per... Oh. You forget that's how it works. You know, byte or whatever. So the, so the more successful you are, the more in debt you are. But then people... It's quite a business model, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. People would take the videos that we had uploaded to our server because you could just download them right from our website. And then they would... And re- they could steal our product very right, yeah, easily. Yeah. Re-upload them to YouTube. And then that's when people actually began to watch them. Oh. And so we were like, oh, we should do this intentionally. So we started making. So we in 2006 we started making uh, videos on purpose for YouTube, 
Um, and then it very quickly became its own thing. And so we've been doing it uh, full time for over a decade. Yeah. So one of the first songs that went, quote, Fun. viral um, was called the Facebook song. Because at the time, Facebook, they released this thing called their wall where you could put videos in it. I mean, all of, none of these things happen like this anymore, but it, uh, so much of it is timing more than talent. I'm just going to be real. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So a lot of those songs, or some of those songs, even that we wrote back then, are finding their way into our live show because we're kind of telling the story of our friendship, also telling the story of what we've created over the years and kind of putting that together into an experience that... Um, even if you don't like watching guys eat goat testicles, which, for the record, we don't eat yeah. or gag on anything <laughs> There are no, show. no testicles eaten or shown uh, during the, the tour of Mythicality. Given that you have kind of evolved the show over so many years, who do you think your av- the average Rhett and Link fan is? Who, who comes to the shows? Uh, well... Thankfully. Super smart, great looking, <laughs> on the inside and out Correct person. Answer. Exactly. Uh, well, the good news is, is we don't have to uh, conjecture about that because YouTube can tell us exactly who's watching. Yes. So we know each and every one of you Aussies who's been watching our show. We have your address. We have, we have cameras in your residence. For those of you who regularly watch the show who don't come to our show, we will be coming to your homes <laughs> one by one. And we will still charge you for that. Yeah. Retroactively, you will be charged. <laughs> for the show. Uh, but it typically, uh, we, we, it, it's a very wide range of people. I mean, like 18 to 24 is kind of our sweet spot. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's a show that you can bring your kids to. Uh, but it's not the kind of show that is for kids specifically. And, it, you know, we meet families all the time who are who are fans of the show. Uh, and you can't really tell, is this teenage uh, kid or the parent a bigger fan? You, you know, you don't know. So I think it's... Uh, you know, it's a crowd pleaser. Yeah, and you may find that your kid is begging for you to allow them to come. And I'm going to say, well, you should you should come with, and you you are going to enjoy the show. I think that's the thing. People say, well, if my kid watches, this isn't for me. And I think that's really just a function of the fact that kids are more vocal, and kids look at YouTube as the as their the first place they go for entertainment, right? Yeah. But that's not necessarily who we resonate with most. Yeah. Do your kids think, because you've got teenage teenage yeah. kids, do they think you're cool? No. No. <laughs> no. No. It, it, well, I, I was hoping that it wouldn't be such a simple answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, it was because so sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> because, okay, so we, we had Post Malone on our show uh, earlier Shit, in the year. Right. And, uh, of course, it doesn't get any cooler than Post Malone. No. So, and then Post Malone revealed while he was on our show that he was a longtime fan of Good Mythical Morning, watches it every single day, goes to sleep with Good Mythical Morning playing in his house. Uh, Tis is a visual. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> exactly. So, and then, and then, and, and also, while getting tattooed under his yeah. eyeballs, he's watching our show. And because, Red and Link. because we follow each other on Twitter, we can actually message each other. So I'm like, Locke. That's my, my oldest son. I'm like, do any of your friend's dad have the ability to direct message Post Malone? He's like, no. I'm like, so I'm a cool dad. I, just, I can't go back to my stuff. I have to go back to Post Malone. The cool dad argument does not make you a cool yeah, dad. It, 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 so it's it, 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 the cool dad thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> you've made some pretty incredible um, YouTube clips over the years. I think one of my favourites is the the t shirt war. Mm-hmm. That's and and there was the pillow, the ten thousand pillows as well. Well, there were six hundred pillows, but let's call it ten thousand. <laughs> Looks like ten thousand. We made it seem like ten thousand. <laughs> but those <laughs> seemed like that was what two thousand and ten or something. You did yeah. that. How? Like, the production seemed to go up a lot in, mm-hmm. over in the first four years. At what stage did you start going, oh, let's, let's, you know, you'd have an idea and go, let's see how far we can take this. When did the money start coming in? When did you go from Wayne's World to, yeah, in the early days to Wayne's World when they yeah. got bought out? Well, T-shirt war is, is a, it's an idea we had to, to do a stop motion video using, designs on t-shirts so every picture so to speak was a new t-shirt we mm. and we would literally take a picture of us posing in the t-shirt then hold the post change the t-shirt to the next design take another picture and then make the stop motion animation where our t-shirts interacted with each other and we had a, a small sponsor who just made t-shirts on demand and so we made a, a little bit of money because we approached that company but then when that went big uh, an agency that represented Coke and McDonald's a- asked us to make a sequel to that as a commercial. That it was still on the internet, but I mean, it turns all, out all that, of a sudden we had a budget. Yeah, it turns yeah, out that yeah. Coke and McDonald's have more money than that little T-shirt company. Who knew? And who? I mean, it, it, we couldn't have anticipated that would happen. I mean, the same thing with the 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 pillow video. We had a uh, a sponsor who made mattresses and pillows, and they asked us to make a video for them. Yeah. We said, well, if you can send us a tractor-trailer load full of pillows and money, <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do something memorable. And they said, we can send you 600. <laughs> and we still said, well, and the money? So it's a, <laughs> a, small, a small trailer. Stuffed with money. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it, one thing kind of leads to the next when we're just trying to squeeze every ounce of creativity out of every every dime we had early on yeah so it's, it started i mean because we were already married with kids we each had our own family we were uh you know we had worked as engineers believe it or not that was our first career so we knew that whatever we did we had to sustain ourselves somehow so we were it started as a business venture from right from the beginning uh it just got you know it got more efficient uh and as the world of youtube blew up i mean now it's it's a business model for a lot of people uh we just kind of rode that wave but i feel like we're talking about money a lot now and it just seems like we're like money grabbers now we just do it for the love of yeah, 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 yeah. we're beyond yeah. money now your palace show is advertised as containing atmospheric effects partial nudity simulated gunfire <laughs> moderate violence and strobe lighting that's partial good. nudity and what strobe lighting that sounds pretty amazing. So what, what's going to happen? Well, <laughs> fans tweeted this description to us, oh. and I was just laughing because I thought they were making it up. And then I, I looked at the screenshots, and I'm like, seriously? I'm like, man, we, we've really got to up our game. Like, i got to start working out if we're going partially nude. Well, what part? I, no, I think technically if you're showing any skin at all, even face skin, that's partial nudity. <laughs> it just means that we're not completely covered. Uh and there, I, I, I think, Honestly, I think they that. slapped, they slapped some generic warning on our show. Well, it, it's, I think it's the kind of thing that we may have said at one point uh, in jest. No, <laughs> yeah. Or are some, they just trying to cover all bases? Yeah. Right. I mean, I will say that CYA. the tour of the <laughs> Mythicality show is the most fun you can have in Melbourne on Friday night with your clothes on. 
Um, and we will keep our clothes on. Like I said, it is a, it's an all-ages show, uh, but we're going to be singing a bunch of our songs, uh, telling the story of our friendship, uh, bringing some moments of our uh, past friendship to life, uh, doing some audience interaction. Uh, Link may or may not uh, pass away and come back to life. Spoiler alert. Um, Jesus. <laughs> literally, man. <laughs> But and there will be some um, some atmospheric effects. I'm talking a little bit of fog. Let's not get <laughs> yeah, carried yeah, away yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, the fog so. the fog will uh, obfuscate my partial nudity. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Tour of mythicality. It's going to be on at the Palais this Friday. We've been talking to the pair behind it, Rhett and Link. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, uh, we're excited <laughs> to be here and excited to entertain you guys. <laughs> <laughs> This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Into breakfasts with Sarah, Jeff and Geraldine. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if anyone else thinks about this, but I think about it quite a lot, about having a completely different life sometimes. Yes. Oh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. So, in fact, you can get lost in that totally, can't you? Yeah, I think... I kind of like the idea of, um, uh, like, I love, have loved my life, I've had this life, but I'd love to experience another one, maybe another, at least three. At least three. Oh. Like what? Like what? A coup. Uh, okay. So, for example, thinking about this on the, on the weekend when I was in Bondi, and, you know, in Bondi, at the beach there. The Bondi vet. Sure, there's Bondi vet, and but there's but just the people that like live a couple of blocks from the beach. They just chuck on their wetsuit and grab their board and just walk down the street. No shoes, no shoes, no wallet, them. nothing. Just take their board and they just walk straight out into the ocean, go for a bit of a surf, then walk back. Yes, you could do that at your beach house in Venus Bay. It's a long walk. <laughs> Yeah, that um, show I was binge watching, Animal Kingdom, they do that, and then they finance it by bank robbing. Oh, so, so you put on. <laughs> living, just living that, the dream. Yeah, but just that idea of, you know, that is the, just the, you know, from from an outsider, like especially someone from, you know, overseas, I'd imagine that that's what they imagine that all Australian, all Australians do. Yeah, that's you just give your koala a bit of a pet, <laughs> go yeah. and have a surf. Yeah. It's so ridiculous how they just... I mean, I, I was just like, oh, man, imagine growing up there and that's... Because I'd see, like, you know, kids doing it as well. Like You can just, understand also why backpackers, so many backpackers at Bondi think that that's the way that we live. Because yeah. if you just spent your time in Bondi, it would be easy to imagine. And also everyone's beautiful in Bondi. They are. They're very long. Yeah. and Because <laughs> they're surfing every day and <laughs> yeah. walking about. And, and less of this um, gross breakfast morning radio host yeah, skin. No pasty white skin yeah. there. <laughs> the grey <laughs> Imagine, imagine having that lifestyle of just oh yeah being able to to do that. You know, it's funny you should say this because um, Annalisa from Neon Sunset and I were talking about this the other day. Apparently, every time there's like a train wreck or a bus crash or something like that, there's a certain percentage of people who just walk away from it and just reinvent themselves. Not telling their family? Yeah, or? not telling their family. They think, like, I've just survived oh, this near-death experience. Really? I've got a second chance. No one will know what happened to me, and I'll just, you know, like, walk away and pretend I've just died in so the So they pretend they're dead. Yeah, 
and just disappear and they go and reinvent themselves. Apparently, oh. it happens all the time. That'd how do they? Awesome. How do they get a passport? Well, no, yeah, how do they do anything? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's a certain amount of difficulties in just. I feel like that percentage might be wrong. I mean, you'd have to have criminal connections, wouldn't you, to get like a birth certificate? Yeah, well, or just might take like, a how do you while. get a job? You can't yeah. go back to your. You have to start everything all over go again. Go off the grid. He's a false fact. <laughs> I mean, so just the don't just, just go with the don't ask any more questions about it. Well, if you walked away from a crash, what would you reinvent yourself in with all of your criminal connections? Yeah, yeah, I think then I'd start my archaeology career. Oh yes, That'd be boring, isn't it? It's not boring at all. <laughs> you can do that now. Why don't you do that now? Yeah, well, it'd actually be hard, and you'd have to learn stuff. But why and go would it be you. easier? When you have, you're going to have all that time. Again. Yeah, you're going to have to. You're sort still the out. same age and have all the same restrictions. Yeah, you still have to go to uni, but you've got the added pressure of like having Being to on the run. Come up who you are, are. <laughs> and hoping you don't run into yeah. half your family. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying this is a realistic proposal. <laughs> oh, good on you, an ar- archaeologist. <laughs> no, just think of the, it's something I always wanted to do, and it's the road not not taking. Okay, think, so do you like the, this crash happens? The plane crashes. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is. You know, blown into little pieces. You're the only one who survived. Bloody hell! You just walk away. What a miracle uh, that you survived. Yeah, Jesus, I just go around preaching to you people just, and telling them that I'm Jesus. Just leave Ralph behind. I've and come walk again. Off. Um, no, I, I. Well, I mean, for me, it's something that like, I. Whenever I'm away, it's something like Bond. Uh, sorry, Byron Bay. Mm. Or like last night, Andrew and I were on the phone to the insurance company for about 10 friggin' hours and I just was so depressed by how much of my life had been taken up. I thought I just want to drop out and go and live like a hippie, somewhere warm, Mm -hmm. making beaded necklaces, selling them to people on the beach. Maybe occasionally I do some shifts as a barista at the local cafe, something where what I do doesn't matter. No one needs to talk about it. No one else has an opinion about what I do. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. just leave and eat. But I'd want to have money, so I'd also like to own a beautiful house, mm-hmm. eat organic fruit every morning. Yeah, you want to win lotto. Well, no, yeah. you, could, you could just rob. <laughs> you could yeah, just rob from okay. all the other passengers after the crash. Oh my gosh! Yeah, go through their pockets. No, and then... but if their things hadn't been blown into <laughs> a million pieces, <laughs> pick up a few coins. Yeah. I guess collect. Uh, can right. you make beads? Uh, I think I could work it out. And if. There was the added, if you didn't need the money, it wouldn't really matter if I could make beads, would it? I could just... It'd be dispiriting trying to sell them if they were really crappy, though. But um, maybe I... Maybe not. Mm. Maybe that's... Maybe every, I'm in on the joke on myself. <laughs> I do it <laughs> to see how many people buy my shitty beads. You're selling them ironically. <laughs> I'm a millionaire. <laughs> so the, the problem is... <laughs> when I... When I... For me, reinventing myself means... Having a set of skills that I don't currently already have. Oh. So the, the, the whole surfing thing is, I can't surf. Yep. So that you know, I'd, so I'd like. So it's yeah. kind of like I'd you like have to, to start surf. all over. You start from childhood, oh. so you can grow up oh. in that lifestyle of learning how to surf. And also, I'd, I'd like to be able to juggle. I don't have that skill. I've l- tried to learn how to juggle many times. Don't nobody call or text going. Oh, it's very easy to learn. I'll teach you. No, no, it's not. No, I can't do it either. I'm not teachable with that. Uh, <laughs> but I'd love. Or maybe to have be- better balance and learn the trapeze or something. I think I'd like to be an a- um, an athlete. I yeah. just would like to be able to do anything with my body other than have my knees dislocate. Oh, that'd, imagine that'd be nice. Able, imagine yeah. being able to just run. You just get up and you just run as fast as you want and everyone goes, look at that athletic person. Yes. 
Imagine oh. just being but an a jogger. Yeah. Who enjoyed themselves. Maybe a surfer. A surfer's the perfect thing, isn't it? Because I feel like surfers are you get the joy and uh the rewards Good, of being cool a professional athlete. Yeah. 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 But also people you kind of have a cool life as a stoner, maybe on the side. Yeah. Perfect. All right, well if you're doing that, I'd like to be reincarnated with a very deep voice and a good accent. Oh. So like, could, could you do this in a non-racist way? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, so in what accent? Well, yeah, what, oh, French? Oh, perhaps French, perhaps Irish, but like a big kind of baritone Irish. voice. Irish is a good accent. I don't know that Irish people can have baritones. There's two up here. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that is a very good point that I hadn't thought. Yeah. Possibly. But, yeah. So what the, about what going going Scottish? <laughs> what? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what about Scottish? Sure, that might work too. But then you could just say any old nonsense and people would just be fixated on these beautiful resonant tones mm. and your interesting accent. To be sure. <laughs> to be sure. It's no high mate porridge. <laughs> This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Time for Feature Creatures here on Breakfast. We're very fortunate to be joined in the studio by Dr Tristan Rich from the Lord Smith. He's here to take your calls if you've got a sick pet of any kind or any kind of query give us a call 9388 how are you going dr tristan i'm good thanks thanks for having me back it's always a pleasure it's winter but the lord smith is already telling people to start thinking about desexing their pets yeah i know it is it is still winter it's definitely feel, still feeling like winter but it's always a good idea to start planning ahead for for the spring season that's about to come up and we're always focused on things like desexing because as spring comes along, many of our pets uh, think about reproducing, and that's often a, a problem that we tend to have to deal with. What, why? Why is it a problem? What What comes up? So for us at Lot Smith, we have a really big kitten season. So lots of unwanted kittens as the the cats hit hit springtime they're quite seasonally affected and they they start cycling and breeding um we've noticed over the last few years that the kitten season has seems to be a lot longer than it used to be i don't know if that's just to do with the the changing climate or not um so we seem to be getting a lot more kittens and for a a lot longer time yeah right and does it change like the behavior of of your pets if they're not de-sexed oh definitely so during when they're, when they're on season, when they want to go out and mate, they can be uh, they can be quite difficult to to look after. They're always tr- trying to get out. They're trying to find a, a partner. Um, they can become more aggressive down the track as well. You can get a lot of health problems too. So we see a lot of mainly dogs but also cats that get a condition called pyometra, which is an infection in the uterus, and that can, can be life-threatening and also lead to expensive emergency surgery as well. The surgery itself is not without risk too, so even though we get a high success rate, not all of them do come through the surgery, so it's always better to, to prevent it than, than to try and address it when it happens. All right, we've got a question coming through on the text line about fish, as it happens, but not about fish with enormous <laughs> teeth, or maybe it is. I'm wanting to breed my bristle nose, is that right? Bristle nose? Oh, maybe Bristow knows it says, but the bigger one keeps chasing the other three around the tank. 
He's a real bully and I don't know what to do, says Geordie. Um, yeah, so it's... <laughs> Answer that, <Dr. laughs> I'll try my best. I thought this was a joke question. <laughs> no, it's real. Okay, right, good. <laughs> so I think bristle noses are the little catfish. You've probably seen them around. Oh, there. Yeah, like, yeah, A lot of people have them in their tank to clean up the algae. So I, I suppose it really all depends on the size of the tank and how many males versus females are there. Um, they do become quite territorial, the, the bristle nose, as far as I know. So... Um, I would probably try and isolate just the male and female if they're going to try and breed. But ah, oh, right. So maybe they're fighting over. Yeah, I'm sure they're fighting over territory and and or mate. So if yeah. they're not doing any damage to each other, I probably let them be and, and see what happens. Um, if you have a question for Doctor Rich, you can give us a call nine three double eight one zero two seven. But um, well, it brings us back to what we were talking about before. Is desexing compulsory? I kind of thought that it was, but it's not compulsory, but it's um, it's highly encouraged. So most councils will give you a discount rate if you, the animals are desexed, um, and depending on the age as well. So I think uh, there is a little bit of controversy about what actual age to, to desex animals, and some councils will encourage people to desex them earlier mm -hmm. by encouraging registration earlier. So I think with the council, you have to register them from a, a few months old. Um, most vets will recommend desexing dogs and cats at around five to six months of age. So in order to combat that, a lot of councils will let people register their pets earlier for free and then um, pay the next year or get a get a rebate once they have been desexed. And is it just dogs and cats that have been desexed or...? No, so, you know, I deal with a lot of other other pets and so mm. desexing is really important with some of our, our, our other pets. Um, one of the main ones probably to start with would be ferrets. So they actually, if they don't breed or have been desexed, they will actually die eventually. Jeez. Really? Yeah. Essentially, they they have an estrogen toxicity, so they it's go into a state. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So they they go into a state ready for breeding. Um, if they haven't if they haven't bred, then they they won't ovulate. So they just continually have these high estrogen levels, which eventually suppress their bone marrow. They get anemia, and they die. Oh, so, wow. That's really sad. Oh. Yeah, um, it's really sad. I'm out there for a ferry. Yeah, so. sure is. We've got a call now too. We've got Mary on the line. Mary, what's your question today? For Dr. Rich? Um, we have got some um, wild cats or feral cats in a house that um, we can't catch. And they keep breeding and we don't know what to do. So I'm just wondering um, you know, some advice on what we can do. Hi, Mary, thanks. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's a tough situation. A lot of people are in a similar situation. I think ideally you really need to try and catch them. And I know uh, most councils will hire out cages that you can you can trap them in and then you can either take them to the council and, and then they'll take them to the the pound or get onto a rescue organization lotsmith often takes in feral cats if there's if there's room but um yeah rspca lost dogs will also take them in and then yeah they'll desex them and rehome them if they can Okay, so just um, um ring the council and see what they can i definitely start with the council yeah because they, they yeah. as far as i know all councils have have traps that you can hire. It might be a mm -hmm. bit of a wait. Uh, mm. At Lotsmith, we, I'm, I'm pretty sure, we definitely used to have um, traps that you could hire, but I, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure we still do that, but I would definitely start with the council. Oh, I'll make some inquiries. Also, I've got a very old 17-year-old cat. Well, that is old. <laughs> yes, getting on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's very cute, but he just starts crying in the middle of the night these days, and we keep him in. 
Um, so is it just normal? Is it getting a bit senile or...? Yeah, he might he might be getting a little bit senile, but it's always worthwhile getting it checked out because sometimes there are other issues going on. So I think it's always worth... If you're noticing a change, just go to your local vet, have a bit of a health check, make sure everything's going all right, and then, yeah. yeah. Are, are you living there. in the house with the feral cats or is it a different house? Oh, a different house. It's oh. my, a place where my daughter's renting, yeah. Oh. Okay. And um, they're not being they're not the feral cats. They're not, not feeding them, so they don't come, but they still have... Um, you know, mice or something, probably good mice catchers or something. Yeah, yeah that's pretty handy, actually. Uh-huh. Cool. All right, well, thank you for your call, Mary. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, while we wait for some other people to call, we'll keep talking about getting your pet um, prepared for spring. Are there... Um, is there any senses in which... <laughs> the way you said that. So you can't say getting de-sex. your pet de-sexed. Getting your pet ready for spring. It's like the birds and the bees talk. Well, so when a cat was loves this another cat... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, okay. Tristan. Putting me off. I'm trying to ask questions here. Sorry. Is there any sense in which... I don't quite know how to put this, but... Like by getting your pet de you're interfering with its kind of natural behaviour. Is there a situation where it's maybe cruel or oh, do you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's cruel, but yeah, I mean you're definitely interfering with normal normal behaviour and um, yeah, normal. Uh, what's the word? You know, um, interfering with the universe. But yeah. I mean, I think keeping pets in general is basically interfering with you know with normal uni- with. The, the way flow the, of yeah, the flow of things. <laughs> so there's no yeah. negative consequences you need to be concerned um, about. I, I don't think so. I mean, all all desexing is a surgery, and nothing, no surgery comes without risk. But it's very, very minimal, and I think the the benefits of doing it far outweigh any any negatives. Um, yeah, I mean, we unfortunately the phone, that question was a perfect example. There's plenty of unwanted uh, surplus of, of feral cats. cats. Yeah, feral yeah. cats. Feral, um, Lots of pets that aren't getting aren't getting adopted. Lots of people breeding when there's a surplus, and they wind up in the, in the shelters. And often th- there's not enough places for them. So I think desexing from the start is the is the way to go. The way to go. We've got a couple more calls that have come through, so we'll try and squeeze them in. Uh, Tina, what's your question for Doctor Rich today? This is going to take your discussion in uh, kind of a bizarre direction. <laughs> sure. Give it a go. Try us. I am an artist that works with taxidermy and I was wondering, is there any legal uh, situation around keeping your animal's um, innards or testicles to taxiderm them into a piece of artwork? Yeah, thanks for the question. So I think did you not expect to see that one? It's actually, did um, you? No. It's actually not the first time I've had a, a oh, similar question. Oh, really? <laughs> so I get people asking this sort of thing all the time when they bring their pets in for, um, yeah, for desex in. They yeah, do want to keep their ovaries or their testicles. So Jesus. I, as far as I know, there is no there is no official laws around it. More of, It's more about the chemicals that you put them in to preserve them. So we won't give out... Um, uh, body parts in formalin, mainly, mainly for the formalin, but some places will, and you know, there's other ways you can you can go around it. But as far as I know, there it's not. There's no um, binding legislation. But yeah, I would, would double check before you, you did it. But, but people do people do their own taxidermy. They'll get their pets taxidermied by professionals. So yeah, it definitely yep. does happen. And yeah, it's it's 
perfectly legal as far as I know. Mm, so if I were to bring in a jar that's got the formalin already in it, as far as you know, that would be okay as long as I could get the vet to agree. Yeah, I think I would, I would definitely discuss it with the individual vet because... Um, yeah, it all revolves around the, the transport of the chemicals. But if you can, if you can organise that, uh, theoretically, I think it, it shouldn't be a problem. Right. Oh, fantastic! I can get a uh, mantelpiece full of. Right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. lucky you. Made our day. Thanks very much, Tina. <laughs> Bye. Uh, we'll, we'll get one more in. This has just been the best. Oh, I reckon this has been the best. <laughs> the best feature creatures ever. Uh, now got Tegan on the phone. Tegan, what's your question for Dr. Rich? Is it about testicles? <laughs> no, no. No, okay, great. Um, so my cat, she's a female. She's about four years old. And I don't know how to put this delicately, but she just, like, constantly makes love to her blanket. <laughs> yeah. This when you thought things couldn't get weirder. <laughs> yeah. So I was just wondering, is that, like, normal for a female or is that weird? Uh, she is desex or she's not, did you say? She is desex. Yeah, so sometimes uh, dogs and cats or any pets often will yeah, form some kind of attachment to an object and yeah, often yeah. will do things like um, yeah, mount or yeah, you know, yeah. rub themselves on things. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to, to stop once it starts. Um, yeah. As long as she's not causing herself any any grief, or it's you know it's not ruining the blanket. the furniture, or the blankets, doing any harm yeah. to anyone. No, it's it's just a bit awkward um, yeah. making eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing you can do once they've started. Oh, you they've... can try and distract them with other with other toys. So maybe yeah, once you see yeah. the <laughs> non sex toys, avoid um, eye contact. Yeah, avoid eye contact. contact. <laughs> just yeah. give her some privacy. Yeah, so maybe when you see it happening, or if you try and try and pick up cues when it's about to happen, maybe try and distract it with a, a play, a play toy, and try and shift the shift the energy to, to doing something a little bit more appropriate. All right, no worries. Thank you. No worries. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck with that. I think that's about all. Clean as well. Probably about all we can handle for the for today. Thanks you so much, Dr. Tristan Rich. A sterling effort under difficult circumstances. No worries, it was a pleasure. <laughs> this is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Doing to breakfasters. Yesterday, um, we went and had a, a photo shoot at yes. Melbourne Uni. We did. Uh, this is for. Where the new faces of Melbourne Uni. Yes. <laughs> Lucky Melbourne Uni. <laughs> uh, no, it's for the um, uh, Radiothon is coming up very soon, only four weeks away. Three, I think. That's so it's four. It's four to, over there. Yeah, but I think that's we're at the end of the week now, so oh, three. Let's yes. just still say four to make ourselves So we don't feel, have panic attacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's still very exciting that it's coming up. Uh, the theme is, um, like, Kate, stay curious. It's weird science. Yeah. Yeah. So cute, like keep the experiment alive. Yes. So it's kind of we got to wear lab coats basically and play around with fun lab and things. pretend we were yeah. doing experiments. Yeah, it's the horror of the real scientists yes. who were there. Yeah, that was, that was my favourite bit. Like <laughs> yeah. it was being in there and just having like actual scientists in the background um, looking over us, and just I just felt like the whole time they were going, "Please don't touch that! Please don't touch that! What do you, don't go near that!" 
don't go near it. What are you doing? What are you do- Can we pick this up? Yes, sure. How do we? What do? You, what do you do with this? It was like, oh, I felt like a five-year-old. I, I, to be fair, yeah, I thought they were very patient and understanding of us. They, what we discovered when we were in the lab, though, was that there's a an emergency shower. So if yes. someone gets sprayed in chemicals, I'd imagine, or whatever, an experiment I think goes that's wrong. When they were the most nervous. That's that is exactly <laughs> why I'm mentioning the shower. There's this shower that you can just pull this metal rod, and it water goes all over you and in your face and everything. And uh, we were doing some photos with that, and they got extraordinarily nervous and just said, "Just so you know, if you actually pull that." the entire lab will flood. Yeah. And I it's to, never happened yeah, before. It's never happened said. before, yeah. And we did have to reassure them that we did had no intentions of actually Yeah, because you went straight to the shower and like, Well, so we could pull on this and, and they were like, Oh, just so yeah, there's there's no drain and like if I mean if there is an emergency then absolutely like we'll sacrifice the lab but right Please don't don't pull the yeah, cord. I thought, I thought it was very clear I wasn't going to pull the cord. But one apparently, no one. Yeah. Part of me was yeah. sitting there on top. Just pull it. Yeah, just <laughs> pull it. Just pull it was very hard having your hand near that and going. Oh. But it wasn't only that. It wasn't only that they were letting us use their lab. Of course, they had um, made a whole bunch of props for us. Yeah, yeah. It so really they're cool. made of all of these food. Uh, used food dye to make coloured. Um, they just had lots of different size beakers and test full, tubes full and of stuff. Fun colours and stuff. Yeah, yes. very cool. So I was a bit conscious that um, there was some quite senior <laughs> scientists who'd come all the way from Beijing to Melbourne <laughs> University thinking they were going to perform important life saving work. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, found they know. Putting coloured dye in water so we could have zany photos. They yeah. loved it. They did like it. Uh, oh, there's something else. Anyway, when we got there, though, Sarah and I, we came yeah. together. What we arrived effort. on campus with 10 minutes to find the building that we had to go to. Right. Yeah. Which I thought was enough, uh, long enough to be able to walk I through Melbourne so Uni too. and find a random, a rec- yeah. Yeah, a yeah. building. We had, we knew the number of the building. But look how – actually, to be honest, I made no attempts whatsoever to try and look up exactly where we had to go. No. Which is why I took you because I thought if I go with someone else, they'll, they'll be know. able to it do it. It was very draining, though, because it was difficult and my map wasn't working. And I was like, Jez, just look at it on the map as well and we can have a conversation. But, but then I would go, what do I have to look up on the map? And then you would stand there in silence for a good two minutes I said, looking at I'd say, map. I'd say bring up the email that – had the map on it. Nah, there was just silence. It was, well, <laughs> I did say I did say bring up the email a few times, but that's and, all right. And then I and then I'll go. But what's what do we actually have to? And then because I'm looking around thinking I'll just ask someone. And then because you were quite obviously lost, like standing there yeah. in the middle looking at a phone, going, we, "We have to find this thing or that thing." Uh, and then this guy stopped. Very, very kind man. Stop. He just saw us talking. Yeah. Looking at our phones and looking Obviously confused. Lost. Mm. Yes. He knew. And he went, where Where do you guys have to go? Yes. Imagine uh, being someone like that. Mm. Yeah, just being a really nice, nice person who would just well, help people. This is where... You, you were telling me... What, this really, is you were where, telling us once that you just sometimes give people false directions. No, I... Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> But he, like if someone, if I came across that situation, like I would go, where do you need to go to? Yeah. And then just nominate a direction. Go, yeah, well, I'd said you kind of in the right direction as far as I knew. That's pretty much what happened to you guys, wasn't it? 
Well, no, he took us. Yeah, he was very active. He said, are you lost? And we said, yes. And I showed him the map and said, we've got to get to this building 68 or whatever it was. doesn't mean anything to me. Mm. Uh, and he said, I'll, I'll take you. I'll, I'll take you there. And I said, oh, okay, that's very kind of you. And he said, yes, it's my job. And I thought, is oh, it your job? I don't what's his job? Well, I don't well, know that it was his job. Yeah, we University don't know. helper. But has it, this is one of as we're walking over there, because we had to go to the, the building of science and engineering. Yes. Right, yep. So, and he said to, he, like we were chatting with him and it was his last year there, like congratulations. And then, you know, we asked him, what have you been studying? And he said, do you want to guess? And oh. like, and then straight away you went engineering, which I think was a fair enough, like if you know where the science and engineering building is. Maybe you're an engineer. Might be an engineer. And also fair enough to say engineering because that's what was on yeah. our minds. Also I just didn't really care. Like when he said, what are you? I said, I don't know, engineering. It wasn't like I was thinking really hard about it. I just went engineering. We're going to the engineering yeah. building. Oh, was he offended? No, because then he goes, oh, why did you say engineering? We're like, just, I don't know, because and he goes, and we gave him all our reasons. You yeah. Know, oh, I, said, oh, when I, I was like, when I went to uni, it was mostly dudes who did engineering. They wore runners. You're wearing runners. We're going yeah. to the engineering building. I was like, what is, this, the reason. what is this weird little exactly. quiz that we're doing? But then he goes, you sure it has nothing to do with the colour of my skin? And I, oh. I know. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, no. no? It was a really weird moment. Yeah, it was like this. Why are you setting this <laughs> yes. up? Yeah, like it was like a setup. Like, guess guess yeah. what I do? And, I, and me and just like, no, not in no way whatsoever. And when is that? When is engineering a trait for? I was just trying to. Yeah, I, I guess if I had a stereotype of engineers, I would have assumed they were white. But I mean, I don't really know oh, anything much like, about. I didn't want to say this to him, but I was like, all the engineers that I knew at uni were just like, like nerdy country guys. No, I was yeah. going to say like nerdy dudes who wore runners, yeah. but I didn't say that he looked like a nerdy dude that was wearing, you know. But yeah. I just went, I don't know, I didn't even. Oh. I know. So I was really then. I, then I was like, no. A bit and then of he a just chill in the conversation. Yeah. But, but then he laughed. He's like, just a joke. And I went, oh, that is. A really uncomfortable joke. I don't. I, did, I right. just didn't know how to carry on with the conversation. Yeah, I I lingered in the background. <laughs> like you had to do a lot of the talking because oh, I, I was following. She was and, walking like three paces behind. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so you were walking very fast, and I was. I he was know. walking fast. Yeah. Well, I had to stay behind though because yeah. there wasn't enough for three in a row. True. Right. So I would stay behind, and you would hold up the conversation up the front with oh. the guy throwing us under the bus. Well, then he started. Oh, sorry. No. 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 I was going to say he started kind of asking us about our time at uni, what we were doing there. Just lots of questions, mm. right? Oh. And, and it, for someone, uh, you know, it was weird. It, there was a weird reason why we were there. Like, we're here for a photo shoot. It'd be hard and, to explain. Yeah. yeah. In, a, in the science building, we have nothing to do with Melbourne Uni. Then he kind of seemed a bit weirded out by that. Yeah. And then I said to him, oh, but thank you so much. I feel like we've been helped by a magical fairy. Yeah. Right? Because he just appeared out of nowhere. I don't know. Oh, oh, by this stage, I'd run out of Digging yourself deeper. Oh, mate. I just was, I had, like I just. we're up the last flight of stairs. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. You've been so kind. It's like you're some kind of magical, magical fairy. And then he said, He's, you shouldn't believe in fairies. He said, magical fairies don't exist, but Jesus does. Like, oh. Oh, oh well, here's another. <laughs> And I went, oh. And I missed it. So Sarah just turns around and gives me this weird look and I'm like, I've got no idea what's going on. So his job, <laughs> as it turns out, his job was 
given Jesus, to him by Jesus. Which is given him by Jesus, was to be kind, to take people through the university. <laughs> you guys had quite different experience to the one I... Well, while yeah, this, what happened while, with while you? This all was happening. I, see, I had ridden there on my push bike and I got to Melbourne Uni um, a lot earlier than you guys did because I didn't have to find a park and I got completely lost as well because I, I was at Melbourne Uni but I was never at the science department. Mm. Eventually found myself through that rabbit warren of building up that tiny little death elevator that looked like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can um, fit yes. a coffin in it. But anyway, I got there like actually five minutes early, as mm. I always do, and so then I was just sitting there making awkward small talk. Oh, no. oh. Please, please, please come. <laughs> do you know how we know this? Because uh, we we were actually... We discussed your awkward small talk. I have to bring this thing up on my phone because I need to find uh, where we were exactly. We're, we got in the Yeah, lift. I, I did, did cross my mind that that was... The guy had to come and, had come and find It was us. Professor Raymond, who people yes, might know from Triple R. Because he's on, he's on the airway, so that's why he was helping oh, us of course. out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Raymond came and found us... Um, he was very kind of him, and he was the one who gave us access to the labs and stuff as well. And uh, when we when we saw him, we said, "Oh, we're sorry, we're really late. Um, you know, we know that Jeff will be pretty distressed by now because he will have had to make small talk." <laughs> and he goes, "It's funny you should say that because he said we stood there in silence for a little while, and then Jeff just said, what is chemical engineering?'" <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3RRR.